tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. That's any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Welcome, welcome. Today is, of course, the memorial of St. Elizabeth who of Hungary. St. <laughs> Elizabeth of Hungary, who oddly enough is one of the great patron saints of the part of Germany my family comes from, uh, Upper Hesse, uh, Lower Upper Hesse. She was buried in Marburg. Uh, she came from Hungary when she was only three years old to be wed to the 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 Duke of, of Hesse and uh, uh, she had a tragic life uh, in which she um, had a very difficult time and offered it all up. So, uh, I don't know, Feast of St. Elizabeth of Hungary is always kind of special to me because, well, there you go. Well, let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit. They shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And before we open the big book on the coffee table, I just want to mention that today will be a letter show. So I won't be taking phone calls I'm going to catch up on letters uh, after that wonderful pledge drive um, uh, and your great kindness. I need to catch up on letters. I can get lots of letters these days. Okay, but let's go to the, let's open the big book on the coffee table. Oh dear, we're in the book of Revelation and um, uh, who was it? I think it was actually Martin Luther who said that he didn't want to put the, the book of Revelation in the canon of Scripture. And they said, Martin, you can't take the book of Revelation out. Um, uh, he said, no, you either come to the book of Re Revelation insane or leave it insane. I believe that may be apocryphal, but I think and, uh, and Father Luther had a point. It's it's a book that will make you crazy. Now, now again, let me just refresh on this, that, that visions, uh, I myself have never had a vision. I know a, a number of people who, who are, have had visions and my impression is they're kind of like waking dreams that that when you're dreaming uh, when you're asleep it's very real it's it's a real i mean it's absolutely real but we ponder what what dreams mean that dreams are just fascinating because they're not arbitrary they have meaning and i think that we need to approach uh, visionary sections of scripture um 
with oh dear i'm way off the track now but i'm going to stay off the track because i want to go here uh we need to approach them uh, uh with a question about their meaning and not look at them as prognostications what's prognostication that means knowing beforehand uh that's not the christian attitude to uh that's not the christian attitude toward prophecy that prophecy literally means to speak forward to speak out uh, a prophet uh, speaks what he's heard from God, and uh, the 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 more primitive word for prophet who we remember from the Old Testament uh, is seer, one who sees, one who can see through the veil of of this dimension into what I like to what I prefer to call the real world. That that this isn't the real world. This is this is this is in a sense. Uh, an anticipatory world, not a shadow world. This is a real world, but but there's a world that is much more real that underlies this. So all that said, when you hear all these weird things uh, in in the book of Revelation, um, there's always the temple, the temptation to say, well, the the clearly the the Gog and Magog are are the Soviet Union and the Red China. Well, the Soviet Union's gone. Apparently, the Soviet Union wasn't Gog or Magog. But I remember people applying these categories of of uh, the Book of Revelation to uh, this this wider um, uh, identification with with things in this world. There's no identification with the things in the book of Revelation, with the things in this, with things in this world, with meanings, yes, with situations, yes, but not things. Remember, this is John, uh, who I do believe uh, is the author of this book. Uh, John was seeing something in another world. And the reality is in that other world. It isn't in this world. So that said, let's look at this really amazing scroll this amazing uh, text i john saw a scroll uh it had writing on both sides and was sealed with seven seals that's kind of interesting because you usually wrote on a scroll uh um on only one side because it was scrolls were difficult enough to work with but to flip them around well made it close to impossible but when you when you didn't have uh, more scrolls you had a lot to say because parchment was very expensive so there's a lot to be said in this that's what that means who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals i think all of you know about seals they're wax or clay with an impression in them that 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 uh, indicate ownership if i if i put my sealing ring and wax on this scroll it's mine i shed many tears no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to examine it and one of the elders said to me, do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Now that word is elder, which in Greek, just put that in the back of your head for the word of the day today, is presbyter. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, enabling him to open the scroll with its seven seals. Uh, <clears throat> then I saw standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb who seemed to have been slain. Now let's look at that number four. 
four is uh, the I was taught four is the number of earthly perfection three is the number of divine perfection so seven is the number of complete perfection earthly and heavenly so the four living creatures and the elders though this is a vision of something going on uh, in 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 the world to come or in the in the in the world that stands behind our world the um, uh, this is about human things the four living creatures and the and the elders uh, well the about elders, uh, let's wait to the word of the day. A lamb that seemed to have been slain. Of course, we identify that with Christ. who had seven horns and seven eyes. Well, that's seven. That's the lamb is the full, the fullness of human humanity and the fullness of divinity. That's why this lamb has seven horns and seven eyes. Uh, horns are about the power of an animal, and eyes are about the the knowledge of an animal. Or, well, uh, uh, the power and knowledge, not necessarily the animal, um, but the power and the knowledge of, of the lamb. So um, uh, the Greek word, uh, and, and I think th this is, you know, not a difficult thing, but the Greek word uh, for know is actually the past tense of the the verb to see, one, one of the verbs to know. Uh, um, so there are seven spirits of God. I thought there was only one Holy Spirit. This is not a theological statement. The, the, this is the Spirit of God perfectly present both in heaven and on earth. So again, the seven spirits, I, I would translate that as the perfection of the Holy Spirit. He came, he received the scroll from the right hand. Uh, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each of the elders held a harp. And gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the holy ones. You know that 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 incense is kind of a universal thing, in 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 the business of religion. Everybody kind of all the religions seem to have some kind of incense, from the Maya to the Aztec to the Hindus to the to the the Taoists to us, um, because it's it's a very symbolic thing. But for us, it symbolizes the prayers of the faithful. So um, it, they rise up to God. So uh, um, worthy are you to receive the skull to break open its seals. Okay, what have I said about this? Good question. Don't think, oh gosh, look, there's a lamb that has seven horns and seven eyes. No, the seven here is meaning. Uh, th this is about uh, the meaning of what this, this seer, John, has seen. And uh, um, he's, he's consoling the church, which is in a difficult situation, that, that um, all of our problems uh, are subject to, to the intervention of Christ the Lamb, who has all perfection. And he, he's going to solve the mystery. And I think that was true for then. It's true for now. It will be true at the end of time. So, uh, again, I, I, I think I've told you frequently that, that something like the book of Revelation is, is um, about the situation in which the author found himself, which was a situation of persecution. It is the situation that we are in now. And it is also uh, talks about the meaning of the end times. So this isn't about the end times. 
It isn't about the past. It isn't about the present. It's about all three. All right, let's go to the gospel. At least this is the way I, I've come to think about them. Luke nineteen forty one. Jesus drew near Jerusalem. He saw the city and wept over it. Uh, uh, forgive my being a little personal about this. I remember the very first time I went to Jerusalem. Uh, <laughs> I was a student with a pack on my back, 1973. I got stuck in the Yom Kippur War which was rather uneventful as wars go, um, at least in Jerusalem. I think I saw one plane fly over the city. But um, the uh, um, uh, I got roped into helping a nun, a Polish nun, who was uh, excavating for a, uh, an orphanage uh, on the Mount of Olives and, and the place I was staying uh, they worked very hard to get all the young Americans who <laughs> visited to go help sister on the Dompolski, the Dompolski, the Polish house, because uh, they had to do it fast. Well, that said, it was on the Mount of Olives, and I remember walking back down into the city with this nun, and I just, it was, I didn't realize at that time, but it was right by the church called Dominus Flavit, the Lord wept. And I looked at Jerusalem, and I thought, it's no different than it was then that it's a city built around the business of religion and it's full of holiness and full of <laughs> full of uh, sin at the same time and and I just began to weep it, it was as if the holy spirit had come over me and I had no idea I was standing by a church called the lord wept but um you know it's it's I always say history doesn't repeat itself, it stutters. If if this day you only knew what makes for peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes, the days are coming upon you when your enemies will raise a palisade against you. They will encircle you and hem you in on all sides. They will smash you to the ground and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And visitation, we think, oh, that's very nice. But the word is, is it really means the time of your inspection. Uh, the 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 word I'm I'm a quick you can hear the the clack I, I I'm sure of this so I'll just say it and when I look it up the the word visitation really means episco it's episcopi the the it's related to the word for bishop um, um uh, the the uh, let's see here um, yeah I'm I'm quite sure it's it's related to the word for bishop which in Greek is of course uh, episcopi. Uh, Episcopos is a bishop, but this is uh, this is um, uh, uh, episcopi, uh, which is the root word uh, for bishop. The time of your episcopal inspection, the time of your inspection. In other words, the Messiah was sent, uh, just as the Lamb was sent out. The Messiah was sent out. Uh, the angels were sent out to search the earth. Well, guess what? Jerusalem failed. Uh, uh, its inspection. You did not recognize the time of your inspection. Now, just a comment on this. It's clear from this that, of course, the, the, the people who don't believe in supernatural things say, well, it's absolutely clear that this means the Gospel of Luke was written <coughs> after the siege of Jerusalem, 70 AD, because he's talking about the siege of Jerusalem. That's based on the assumption that there is no such thing as prophecy. Um, there's also... If you if you want to see a prophecy about the 20th century, what is it? A lady of uh, of good success in Quito, uh, a little 
nun in, in 400 years ago nailed the 20th century like crazy. I mean, you know, uh, you read you read her, her, well, that wasn't written till the 1700s. Big deal. I mean, she nails the 20th century, the scandals, the situation in the church. Uh, really interesting. Our Lady of, of, of uh, Our Lady of, I think it's Our Lady of Good Success uh, in Quito, Ecuador. Uh, but I digress. There's such a thing as prophecy. The, the Fatima seers, you know, that God opens the veil occasionally. And it is clear the Gospel of Luke is written before the execution of St. Paul, because it does not talk about the execution of St. Paul. It ends with, and he had stayed in his rented dwellings uh, for two years when he was under house arrest. <clears throat> so this idea that, that um, the scriptures were written a generation or two after Christ, they most certainly were not. The Gospels were not written a generation or two after Christ. They are, they are eyewitness accounts uh, and if you wonder if they're eyewitness accounts, you can read a wonderful book, The Case for Christ, by uh, Reverend Lee Strobel. Um, it's, it's, he was, I, I've mentioned that book frequently, but he was a, an atheist uh, crime reporter and worked for the Chicago Tribune, won awards, and uh, uh, he decided to keep his wife out of the Christian faith. He was going to debunk Christianity by debunking the resurrection. But when he looked at the Gospels, he realized they were excellent uh, eyewitness accounts. Uh, they had not been tampered with. They had not been fixed up. These were genuine uh, um, accounts of of uh, the, the, the events that had happened. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they may be much uh, <clears throat> edited. They may be much... Uh, um, written and rewritten but they're eyewitness accounts and you can you can count on them so uh one of the things uh here i'm going long on this but uh one of the things that that uh, strobel says is that when the stories agree clearly they've sat down and gotten their stories straight when witnesses say the exact same thing because everybody sees different things when they look at the same the same event when witnesses say the same exact thing well they they got their story straight uh, they got together and got got told what they were to say. The very fact that there are discrepancies between the accounts of the Gospels makes them better evidence because the essential story is exactly the same. The details are foggy. Was there one angel in the tomb? Were there two angels in the tomb? Did he go to Galilee? Did he go to Nazareth? Or did he go to Mount of Olives? That sort of thing. Um, these are evidentiary accounts, and especially the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Gospel of Luke, which is the first of a two-part uh, book. They're both addressed to Your Excellency Theophilus. Uh, I suspect uh, uh, Dr. Pitry is right. It's addressed to one of the, the high priests, uh, uh, who is Theophilus. Um, these are legal documents. Uh, uh, the first four lines of the Gospel of Luke are the best Greek in the Bible. And it has words like, we see ministers of the word. We think of somebody reading in church. That's not what the text says. It's assistance of the law case. Logos can mean a law case. And hyperetis is the verb. It's not minister. Diakonos is minister. But the word is hyperete, which means an assistant. Assistance of the law case. And I got this, this thing from eyewitnesses. This is a legal document. Uh, it, I think it was meant... 
uh, to get Theophilus to withdraw the suit against St. Paul. That's possible. But it doesn't end. It doesn't say whether Paul was acquitted or condemned. In this case, the tradition, the strong tradition, is he was acquitted, went out evangelizing again, then came back to Rome, then was arrested a second time and executed under Nero, which dates the gospel. That's around 64 A.D., which is six or seven years before the destruction of Jerusalem. So these people who say, well, the, the Gospels are late because they talk about the destruction of Jerusalem, they they don't know what they're talking about. They're making the assumption that prophecy can't happen. So their their dating of the Scriptures is based on an assumption. Ours is based on uh, good hard facts. All right, that said, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with letters, oh boy, letters, and then we will... Uh, uh, not open the phones. We're just going to do more letters. We'll be right back. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters Flexible Premium Life Insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to relevantradio.com forester today. An Illinois Life Insurance Society. Not available in all states. I'll be no stranger there, I'll be no stranger there, when all the saints come from the grave, I'll be no stranger there, I'll be no stranger there, I'll be no stranger there. We're back, and and I, I, let's go to letters. Well, all right, here we are. This is a letter I... I did part of it. I want to do it again because it's interesting. This is Jim from Wisconsin, and... and <clears throat> Uh, he kind of answers his own question in a way. I, I, I talked about that uh, oh a while ago. Why was Pharaoh not struck down with the firstborn? Maybe he wasn't the firstborn. I don't know. I wasn't there. Some of the Egyptian livestock seemed to die at least twice. In the chapter 9 of Exodus, the fifth plague caused all the Egyptian livestock to die. In the seventh plague, hail struck down every man and beast that was in the open. So let's let's look at all. When you say... I don't know if you remember that old uh, Robin Williams comedy that that um, uh, Mork from Ork. The the whole joke was he was a literalist. Uh, Mork and Mindy, yeah, Mork and Mindy. Uh, thank you, dear voice in my head, Mork and Mindy. Um, that that um, Mindy would say, well, everybody was there, and Mork would say, how could they possibly fit billions and billions of people in that small room? In other words, everybody was everybody on the planet. No, everybody was, you know, everybody, everybody. Who, who's the, the guy who said, uh, um, uh, yeah, nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. <laughs> I think, you know, that kind of thing, that, that, that we aren't mathematically precise in the way we talk to each other. So, uh, you know, that all the Egyptian livestock... In a certain place, in a certain, you know, a whole lot of them died. And the fifth place, well, the, the Bible should, the Bible is infallible. It should read like a chemistry textbook. Oh, no, it shouldn't. The fifth plague caused all the Egyptian livestock to die. And the seventh plague, hail struck down every man and beast that was in the open. Finally, chapter 12 describes the tenth plague, in which the firstborn of the animals died, the firstborn Egyptians. And then Jim says wisely, maybe I'm overthinking the text. I would say that, you know, that, that uh, when you say all, uh, for a, good, a, a good example, the, the flood. The flood covered the whole earth. Well, the word earth, Eretz, it also means land. You can translate it, the, the flood covered the, the whole land. Well, which one was it? 
Um, well, I don't know. I wasn't there. But that's not the point of it. The point of it is, what does this mean uh, um, that, that uh, one can, as Jim, you so wisely have said, one can uh, over-scrutinize the text. All right, let's see here. All right. This is, uh, oh, this is, I, you know, I, I, I'm not quite sure about this. Uh, the, 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 and, and the voice in my head might know this better than I, because, well, the voice in my head spent quite a, a time in Rome. How long, how long were you in Rome, Nick? This is live, and I was there for three and a half years. Then you might know this. Uh-oh. This is from Maggie. I visit not our Maggie, but another Maggie, I think. Oh. I visited the four uh, major basilicas in Rome last month of October. Could you please be so kind to explain to me what indulgences I obtained? Uh, do you know that? I what think it's a planet. I, don't quote me on it. Uh, I'm being quoted right now. Okay. But, uh, well, yes. I, I think it's I think it's a plenary indulgence if you visit all four and pray for the Pope. Um, I think so. Yes. Uh, I don't think there's anything see. extra extra special. Sorry. Well, no. That you know, go on. That, that that yeah. It's just it's a basic plenary indulgence. That's kind of what I thought. Let's see here. Um, uh, okay. Let me let me let me find this here. Um, Okay, yeah, plenary indulgence during, well, uh, that was during the holy year. I, as the, I don't know if that's been extended. Let's see here. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure about that. If anybody knows the exact answer, um, my, my impression is it's a plenary indulgence, um, it was during the whole year, but I think it was extended, and it's just a general indulgence under the usual conditions, confession, communion, and, and prayers for the, the, the Holy Father. So I think that's basically it. Um, there, there, there you go. I, Do you I, have a favorite one of them, Father, of the Basilicas? Oh, my favorite, my favorite one. Oh, it's hard to say. My two favorites are certainly St. Paul outside the walls and... Uh, um, of course, St. Peter's. What I love about St. Peter's is that's a breathtakingly beautiful building. I mean, it's just it's one of the most beautiful buildings in the world, um, and uh, it's, it's beautiful in its grandeur. But to me, the fun part are the scavi, the excavations underneath. When you go to Rome, way in advance, you have to look for uh, reservations for tickets to go to the scavi. That's Italian for excavations, and uh, you can actually see some of the bones of St. Peter where they were found, uh, that, that the entire history of the Basilica, when you go to these places like Church of the Holy Sepulchre, uh, Church of St. Peter's, you got to research, research them ahead of time. There's lots of uh, um, resources on the web, but you have to research them ahead of time or you won't know what you're looking at. Uh, in, the, in the second century, it seems a monument was built over the, the remains of St. Peter by the first Christians, and that developed into uh, a shrine which Constant, over which Constantine built a church. And then the current Basilica of St. Peter's replaced the Constantinian Basilica uh, because it was falling apart. However, the church of St. Paul outside the walls, um, 
was in a terrible fire. Uh, the Pope at the time was on his deathbed, and he kind of came to and said something awful is happening. They didn't want to tell him that St. Paul's was burning down. Well, much of it burned down, but they were able to restore it to its pristine condition. And it looks just like when Constantine built it, essentially. Uh, um, I think Constantine built uh, St. Paul outside the walls. Uh, but it, it, it's the classical basilica. It's gorgeous. So those two churches are, are amazing. Uh, Holy Cross in Jerusalem has been kind of, oh, uh, sort of, uh, well, I don't want to say, what's the proper word? It has been altered by the ages. Each generation comes in and puts stuff in that they think looks nice. St. Mary Major, they've done the same thing. Uh, but not as completely as uh, Holy Cross in Jerusalem. Um, is, that is one. Is that one of the major basilicas? Saying, am I getting my basilicas? Because there's seven basilicas. Uh, um, uh, oh no, it's Saint John Lateran. I'm sorry, I'm Holy Cross, Saint John Lateran. That's one of the four major basilicas, and that's that is the Cathedral of Rome. Saint Peter's is not the Cathedral of Rome. It's a shrine uh, in honor of Saint Peter. But Saint John Lateran was <clears throat> built. Uh, developed uh, as a building uh, from a, a residence that Emperor Constantine gave to um, the Bishop of Rome at the time. I think it was St. Sylvester. Which we celebrated uh, so, last week. Yeah, we celebrated that feast last week. That's true. So, uh, uh, the the uh, but St. Mary Major has some just extremely beautiful and extremely valuable mosaics that really do go back to a much earlier period. They're, they're, they're beautiful. So all those churches are, are worth seeing. And, 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 and so I, I, but I, I think that indulgence is still there. It, it was, I can't think, I, I think, but I'm not sure, held over from the Holy Year. Well, I've answered the, your question um, much more thoroughly than needed to be done. All right, let's, let's go to another letter here. All right. Let me click on that, and then here's this one. All right, okay. <clears throat> in the no this is from Mercedes <clears throat> in Philadelphia. In the Novena prayers to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, or the Infant of Progress, is O oh Jesus. You have said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What does it mean about heaven and earth passing away? All right, let me grind an axe. Are we ready? Heaven in Greek is uranos, and it's usually in the uh, the plural. It means the sky. The word for sky and the word for heaven is the exact same word uh, in Greek. We use the word heavens uh, uh, similarly. Uh, that that um, oh look up in the heavens, uh, there are clouds. We don't say it much anymore, but the word heaven uh, just refers to what is up. And I often tell you that we don't go to heaven when we die. We are adopted into that relationship, which is God. Uh, um, that's a, a biblical concept on which Cardinal George was very big. Uh, to be made sons and daughters of God, to be brought into that family, which is God. Remember, uh, St. John Paul the Great said that uh, um, uh, your family is like a family. The Holy Trinity is the perfect family. 
perfectly one, perfectly three. And the purpose of our life, we read in Romans, the eighth chapter, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might become the first of many brothers and sisters. In other words, the only way that God can adopt us is to make us look like Jesus. So that's what's going on, this process of adoption. And also, look at what Jesus said to St. Dismas, the good thief, on the cross. He said that, um, uh, when he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And we, of course, automatically think that means kingdom of heaven. And I tell you to the point of being tedious that no, kingdom of heaven really means the royal nature of God. When you come into your royal inheritance, remember me. Uh, um, and Jesus responds to that by saying, this day you will be with me in paradise. In other words, the good thief is recognizing the kingship of Christ, even though he's crucified and crowned with thorns. You know, that, that, that Jesus said uh, at one point to the disciples, I will not drink the fruit of the, of the vine with you until I drink it new in the kingdom of heaven. And when did he next drink wine? He drank this, this uh, bitter, cheap wine mixed with water. It was the fruit of the vine. Uh, he drank that on the cross when they put a sponge to his lips on a branch of hyssop. Um, he drank the fruit of the vine. So the cross is the kingdom. Huh? The cross is heaven when you die. No, the cross is the kingdom. And what that means is God showed his nature on the cross. The, the nature of God is sacrificial love. The royalness of God, what God's royalty is like, was shown on the cross. And St. Dismas the good thief recognized it. He, he looked at this fellow dying next to him, and in this bloody pulp, crowned with thorns, Dismas realized, St. Dismas realized that, that it was not a, a, a cross, but a throne. And the crown of thorns was a royal crown. And so he says, remember me when you come into your royalness, your royal inheritance. And Jesus responds by saying, this day you will be with me in paradise. What was paradise? Paradise was the walled garden where the king walked in fellowship with his friends. You see, it's a word that comes to us from the Iranian language, um, the, the, uh, the Persian language, Persian, Iranian, same deal. Uh, that, that the Shah, the, the king of kings, <clears throat> could not speak and he was not spoken to. When the king of kings said something, it was law, it could not be retracted. It was a done deal. You can't live that way. So in his private apartments which adjoined to which it was adjoined a, a garden possibly a hunting preserve it wasn't just a little garden it was a huge garden it was it was a, a a game preserve uh well there were people who were called friends of the inner chamber friends of the bedchamber nothing untoward in that uh necessarily um but they were people who could address the king and they were companions of the king. I don't think they took it too far because kings can often have bad tempers, but they could speak to the king. You can't live in this kind of static uh, aloneness. So the king had to, had these friends and they w had the privilege of, of being in his private apartments and in his garden. And the word for that garden was paradise. So when St. Dismas recognizes the royalness of, of Christ on the cross, 
Jesus says, today you will be with me in my, in my private garden. That's so we don't go to heaven. We go to paradise, the private garden of the king, where we walk in fellowship with the king as his family, as his closest, as his closest companions. Uh, so that said, when Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away, he's talking about uh, this, this, uh, this created world. The heaven, heaven is created by God. Uh, what won't pass away is the the uncreated and eternal Holy Trinity with whom we will have uh, fellowship. So, so yeah, the, the created world, which includes these these other dimensions. We're we we were talking about dimensions as Christians uh, before it was cool to talk about dimensions. We were sci-fi before sci-fi. We realized there are different dimensions. There's a, a physical dimension, a spiritual dimension, the dimension in which we live, which is kind of in between, and so on. So, yeah, the heavens and the earth will pass away. Everything that God has created, he will allow to fall into non-existence. But the paradise of intimacy with God will never pass away. So, no, well, at least that's my opinion. Okay, we are going to take a break. We're going to come back with a word of the day, which I'm afraid will be extensive. Today, we'd like to thank Richard, who's listening in Arizona, for donating his Toyota. Join in with thousands of other listeners to donate your old vehicles by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. Come and listen in to the radio station where the mighty hosts of heaven sing. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you want to hear the songs of Zion, come and Welcome back. And, and before we go to the word of the day, I... I I forgot to mention something about, uh, I really should, about the gospel. Um, uh, the days are coming when your enemies will raise a palisade against you. That means a wooden wall. They will encircle you and hem you in on all sides. They will smash you to the ground, your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another within you. That's literally what happened. It was one of the worst uh, disasters in the world. I think Josephus claims a million people died. That's probably uh, um, inflated. But, I mean, the Romans, uh, Jerusalem was a, a very defensible city, so the Romans just surrounded it and waited. And um, uh, the the forces of, of, of the Judeans inside <laughs> promptly started to quarrel with each other, and they did half the work of the Romans... Uh, um, uh, for them, but uh, this is literally what happened. And you can go to uh, uh, the Temple Mount and see the stones, <laughs> which uh, are thrown down. It's amazing. You, um, it really is. Well, okay. Well, let's let's go to the word of the day. All right. Now, the word of the day is priest. I've shared this again a number of times, but it's interesting to me because in the first reading, we see both words that are translated as priest uh, uh, in English. They're translated, uh, well, okay, but let me just jump into it here. Um, uh, we, we, we've seen an elder in this already. There's an elder uh, um, who's consoling uh, John uh He's so sad because things can't, uh, 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 
they can't open the, 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 the scroll. One of the elders said to me, do not weep. And that word in the text is presbyteros, which means someone who's older. <laughs> That's, presbys is old in Greek and presbyteros is older. One of the older guys said to me, do not weep. Now, the role of elder was, was very firmly established in Judaism. Uh, the word is zakan in 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 uh, Hebrew, and uh, there were elders ordained from the tribes of Israel by Moses on at Sinai, and they were ordained with the laying on of hands, and they were the people who governed Israel uh, in its in its secular and worldly concerns. <clears throat> they were in the world. Priests uh, um, were hereditary. That they they uh, you were a priest if your father was a priest. But an elder was chosen and ordained, and there's the Jews maintained that ordination from Sinai persisted until well into the Christian era, that they were still ordaining elders three four hundred years after Christ in Babylon. And these were the people who, who governed the community. And uh, so that's who this is, an elder. Now we, we move down and we see the elders again. We just saw the, the lamb with the seven horns and the seven eyes. And I told you that that's about, about heavenly and worldly perfection. Uh, but then we see the four living creatures and the 24 elders. Uh, those are multiples of four. Uh, four is, of course, four, and 24 is uh, uh, six times four. And so these are. this is about perfection in the visible world. And the word here is presbyter. Each of the presbyters held a harp and gold bowls filled with incense. So the presbyters had a, a liturgical function. Now we move on. Uh, worthy are you to receive the scroll. You were slain and purchase for God uh, from every tribe and tongue, a people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests. That word in Greek is hiereus. Hiereus. It means someone who offers sacrifice, someone who sanctifies. The word priest. Now, now, I hope I'm not too obscure on this, but I think it's a very important point. Uh, because we Catholics are, are criticized roundly for having priests, uh, as are the Orthodox, because uh, um, the, the, the Bible says that the Christ is the only high priest. Well, the word priest is developed from the Greek word presbyter. Have you noticed this? I, again, the, the, prince, the, the, the principle of language development, which I shared with my students, that time does for language over the long run what alcohol does over the short run. The time and alcohol principle of language development, it slurs it. So presbyter became prester, became priest. And in Italian, it's preti. In German, it's priester. In French, it's pret. In English, it's priest. Uh, um, the, the, the word for hiereos, sacrifice, is uh, sacerdote, sacerdote in Italian, but, but generally they call them preti. That word, presbyter, in its form of priest, is used to translate two separate words in Greek from the text. It's used to translate 
hiereus and presbyteros. And it should only be used to translate presbyteros. When I want to be precise, I talk about elders and sacrificers. Every Catholic is a sacrificer. You were ordained a sacrificer. Uh, well, no, you weren't ordained a sacrificer. You were anointed a sacrificer. You can't be ordained a sacrificer in the Jewish concept. You're only a sacrificer if your father was a sacrificer, if you come from that family, the family of Aaron. And uh, so you're recognized, you're anointed, as were the sacrificers of uh, the Old Testament when they were initiated into their 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 ministry. You, you, so that means everybody can say Mass. No, no, there's one high sacrificer, Christ, and his representative is the bishop. The bishop, who is uh, the head of a diocese, stands in for Christ. Uh, and when he can't come to church on Sunday because he's busy uh, at another church, then he asks one of the elders to stand in for him. So I was ordained, and this is, these are the words of the ceremonies I recall. I was ordained into the sacrificerhood of Christ in the order of elder. Every Christian, by his baptism, by being a member of the family of God, inherits a sacrificial role. That doesn't mean he presides at the, at, at the Eucharist, but it means his job, her job, is to consecrate themselves to sac to make of their as saint paul says to make of their bodies a living sacrifice so that's that's the sense in which we are sacrificers we offer sacrifice to god in our daily life and those sacrifices are drawn together by the elder who governs in this world you know the sacrificerhood will never pass away the elderhood will uh the elderhood, as we see from this, four living creatures, 24 elders, that's a thing that happens in this, in this world. It's part of the worldly perfection of the people of God. But the fullness of heaven, we will be before the high sacrificer, who is both uh, victim and sacrificer, the lamb. So I, I hope that's not too complicated, but I, th I think it's important to understand that, because we regularly get get bad-mouthed as Catholics because we have priests. Well, yeah, we have priests, we have elders, and they truly offer sacrifice because they're ordained uh, for a, sac a sacerdotal role, a, a sacrificial role, just as the elders who offered incense from, from golden bowls. I mean, this is a liturgy being described, harps and golden bowls uh, full of incense. So, so that's why I kind of grind this 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 uh, idea. So, um, okay, well, that's said more thoroughly than anybody needed it to be said, isn't it? All right, let us go to um, let us go to some letters. Hold on, we'll go back to some letters. I gotta click away on some letters that I don't need. Okay. All right. This is from, let me make sure this is from Michelle. Um, it said, I wanted to clarify my call that I made this afternoon. Uh, uh, Michelle from Newport. And this of course was a while ago. And it was in regards to the gold digger and really old man with one foot in the grave. I told that story about, uh, uh, if you, if you, uh, that God allows for suffering, uh, because, um, uh, without without the possibility of suffering, 
how can we possibly love? Uh, I think that's important. All right, um, let's move on here. Um, I was saying that I feel sorry for the girl who gets the name of Gold Digger. When, yes, she gets the money, but my point was she also pays a very dear price for it. We always do for money. I mean, you know, there's no free lunch. So I wasn't pointing out the rich old man is sinning. Uh, it seems I find myself defending the girls sometimes because I see the old man is a sinner. Um, so I, I, I did understand, Michelle, and I, I do agree. But, but remember that that was not uh, history. That was an illustration. It's You see things like this. I was not referring to a specific old man. Uh, in fact, is I think uh, uh, there was a movie, uh, a mockumentary called Best of Show. I think I think that's what I was really thinking of. So don't worry, Michelle. I'm not talking about a specific old man or a specific gold digger, but you know the type. Can, All right, moving Father, along. I, this is live. Can I bring in a yes. funny joke from there? there? There's a scene. Oh sure. There's a scene with the 90 year old man and like the 40 year old woman. And she's looking at the camera and she goes, well, we both love soup. (laughs) (laughs) That says we both love soup. Yes, they had that in common. And and, it depends on the soup. Sometimes I love it, too. All right, moving along. (laughs) This is from Marsha. It's just a kind letter. Thank you, Father Simon. I enjoy your show because of the historical teachings you provide. You provide context, answers to questions I have had. Uh, so uh, um, she just looked up the words, the mourner's Kaddish. You know, I read that letter because, well, in a way, I want to disagree with it. What I really hope to do is to pose questions in a sense. I think a teacher is really a, a poser of questions and uh, a salesman. You know, that, that, that when I taught dead languages to comatose seminarians all those years, um, my, my, I always enjoyed when someone disagreed with me because I said, okay, find the footnote, prove it, prove you, prove me wrong. And often they did. Uh, the idea is, um, you know, there is another great monotheistic religion, which, which is very, um, um, oriented to proselytism, to making converts. Uh, and and uh, when you talk to them, they say, uh, um, well, I don't know that question. You'd have to talk to, I'm not a scholar, you talk to a scholar. Every Christian is supposed to be a scholar. My, my goal in this is to get you to ask the question and say, is he right? He, that's crazy. Look it up. We have, I mean, we use the web for stupid things like funny cat videos we have so much knowledge at our fingertips. So if you disagree with me, please look it up. And if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. We're disciples, we're students. And that's what I'm hoping to do is to get you uh, to be to be disciples with me and to, to think about things. Well, we got to go. Uh, fun talking to you. And uh, uh, I think Drew's coming up next, so don't go anywhere.